0: Welcome to DDBY's community podcast hosted by the CYC. We are a movement dedicated to inspiring, mentoring, and building the leadership capabilities of tomorrow's leaders.
1: We recognize the power of community as a key component for thriving and wellness. So we create this podcast to highlight and spread awareness about organizations we believe uplift the community. Through sharing a diverse range of local
0: leaders' stories and passions, we hope to promote inclusivity and inspire others to get involved within their community.
1: As always, before we introduce this month's guest, we'd first like to offer a land acknowledgement.
2: Although this gathering is virtual, we recognize that DTVY convenes on the treaty lands of the Mississaugas of the Credit First Nation and the traditional territory of many nations, including the Haudenosaunee, the Huron-Wendat peoples, and is also home now to many diverse First Nations, Inuit, and Métis people. At Dearest
1: We Charity, we are proud to promote the spirit of helping, sharing, and caring for our neighbours without the expectation that has been exemplified by each of these nations as the first peoples of this land for thousands of years. And we wish to acknowledge our gratitude for the ongoing opportunity to live, work, and build community on this land. We all have a collective responsibility to take care of ourselves and these lands, and it's past time to turn reflection into action. And we challenge ourselves and everyone here joining us today to commit to at least one tangible next step to move this work forward. All right. hi everyone. Uh, welcome to the second episode of Dare to be Youth Com- uh, Community Podcast, hosted by your very own CYC, uh, which stands for the Community Youth Council. My name is Arham and I am accompanied by Ayon, my fellow CYC members. On behalf of Dare to Be Youth Charity and the CYC, it is my esteemed pleasure to welcome Leslie, the outgoing CEO of the Halton Learning Foundation. The Halton Learning Foundation supports education equity by eliminating financial barriers for youth to better their education. This is a truly noble and dire cause to work for, which is why it's so wonderful you have joined us today. Welcome, Leslie. Would you like to briefly introduce yourself?
0: Thank you very, very much, Arm. I think you did a wonderful job in introducing me. It was a little bit interesting to hear. Outgoing CEO. It's been a wonderful eight years with the Halton Learning Foundation, and I'm just so excited to be here on your podcast today and sharing what we do and with the awesome people that are involved with the Dare to Be You Foundation. All
1: right, perfect. Um, All right, so let's start off with the first question. Um, Can you tell us about the mission and the goal of the Halton Learning Foundation?
0: Yes, yes. Our mission is that every student deserves a chance. And this is a chance to succeed, to learn, to be involved, and to be included in everything regarding their educational experience. And our goal is to eliminate financial barriers to education for students in the Halton District School Board.
1: All right. Uh, Perfect. Um, That's such a noble (laughs) cost it is. All right. So what specific services does the Halton Learning Foundation offer to the community?
0: We offer services specifically aimed towards the 118 schools or so and the 66,000 students of the Halton District School Board. And we provide financial support for school grants. And these are things that schools want to do in their own buildings, but they may not be completely covered by the Ministry of Education. So that's one of the things that we do. We also provide scholarships for students in grade 12. And those scholarships are funded directly by individuals who give to Halton Learning Foundation. We provide about 70 or 80 different scholarships. It's It's quite a large number. But the largest project that we do with the Halton Learning Foundation that we manage with the Halton Learning Foundation is our Eliminating Barriers program. And that helps students who are living at or below the poverty line to be able to make sure that they can enjoy all the different facets of their education without... Encountering financial barriers.
2: Yeah, so I've been looking at and exploring this um, foundation in Foundation. So, what would you say it makes this foundation unique from other support services that are in place for students who are living below the poverty
0: line? Thanks, Ian, for your question. We are the only charity in Halton Region that directly supports the HDSB. We don't support any other school organizations or any other groups, but we support needs that. Very widely so we support eyeglasses we support food uh, footwear taxi bus passes school trips sometimes they can be as small as ten dollars sometimes as large as 150 dollars we support team fees if someone wants to get involved on a on a on a football team or on a school swim team or a volleyball team it's mostly anything that allows a young person to continue their education and enjoy school without worrying about do I have enough to be able to belong. And one story that I can just share briefly with you: a young person wrote to us several years ago, and he said to us in an email, "He said thank you very much for the eighty-five dollars you gave us, or or, or, you, or you or you or you gave me." And he said, with that $85, I was able to buy a swimsuit and goggles and a swim cap and flip flops and a towel. And now I'm part of my school's swim team. And that made him feel really important and made him feel included. And for the sake of $85, what an incredible opportunity to be able to help one person feel like they belonged. And that's Mm -hmm. what we do.
2: Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I find it very important that um, it's not only school-related and academic supplies. It's also that the foundation helps with all things related to school. I feel like that's a very important thing because yeah. it really uh, helps their, um, their like their personal health and their mental health, and it really helps improve uh, their overall life. So just continuing on from that, what are some of the biggest challenges that the Halton Learning Foundation faces when um, trying to eliminate these financial
0: barriers? Through the poverty roundtable of Halton, we know that 10% of students in Halton live at or below the poverty line, and that's a tremendous amount. If you think about where we live in Halton, Halton is a very wealthy community. We have a lot of postal codes that are ranked um, in the highest in Canada, and yet the poverty is so well hidden in Halton that you wouldn't notice them. You wouldn't notice them walking along Main Street, and you'd see the students. And if you're driving and you see someone walking with a windbreaker um, open and a pair of running shoes in a severe weather storm, you may think to yourself, well, why don't they just have a coat? Why can't they just wear proper footwear? And yet you don't realize that they don't have a winter coat or the coat they have, the zippers broken, or they don't have boots. And all they have are flip-flops. They may have sandals. They may have slippers and it can be very embarrassing to ask for help and you can imagine if you are a young person and you know that your parent or your guardian or your grandparents do not have the money for you to have new shoes you don't want to ask for it so therefore you will move along in your day-to-day life and you feel stigmatized in many different ways and it's as i mentioned it is very embarrassing to ask for help so we take a look at 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 the at the population in halton and specifically in the halton district school board and there are about 66 or 67,000 students in the hdsb so simple math with 10% that's about 6600 kids that are going without and that's a lot of that's a lot of young people so the biggest thing that we are challenged with is getting our message out and we work so well with all the principals and school secretaries the child and youth counselors, the guidance counselors, social workers at the schools to let them know that we're here and we're available to help. I think that can be the, the, the challenge sometimes, making sure that, that the schools know that even if they've asked once, they can still ask again for another family and they, they can ask repeatedly for different families. And that we have such a wonderful group of individuals who give to HLF that we have never ever said no. To a request. We have always said yes to a request that has come in. But this year, it's been dramatically higher. We have, we're about 31% higher than we were at this time last year. So we've given out over $300,000 to young people. So every time that we give support to a young person, we have to fill back up that bucket. We can't let it, we can't let it empty. Because if we let it empty, that means we decline a request. And that is not. That's not possible in my vision of what HLF does. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I definitely agree. Raising awareness is a is a big challenge that um, we need to overcome. Because especially because a lot of the people that uh, the foundation um, kind of chooses, like the children and the youth, are very impressionable. And sometimes it may be hard for like as a high school student myself, I can speak to this as like it could be hard for someone to kind of relate and kind of admit that they may be struggling. And so I feel like it's 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 a big challenge to really um, like connect and find the people who really need the help and convince them that it's okay to like reach out and it's okay to help it's, a, it's not it's not a problem
0: absolutely yeah mm-hmm.
1: yeah um i i can definitely empathize with that and it's really good to know that you really like think about what the youth might feel like the youth are being affected by these challenges it's really good that you know you're um empathizing to them and um you know actually thinking about how they might feel and you know taking action towards yeah. like helping out um, all right, so moving on to our next question. Um, so this is more directed towards you. Uh, what, or, what originally motivated you to get involved with the Halton Learning Foundation and work towards this mission?
0: That's a really easy one for me. Uh, where I used to work, my previous employer was a credit union in Milton, and we gave generously to the Halton Learning Foundation. And I saw what a difference $2,000 would make if we wanted to be able to buy books for a library or we wanted to be able to support um, a food program in one of the schools, or there were students who were going to school without proper winter coats. And I worked very closely with the staff at the Halt Learning Foundation at that time. And when my predecessor talked with me in 2014, and she said to me, Leslie, I'm looking forward to retiring soon. And I looked at her and I said, I want your job. And she was taken aback a little bit. And I said, I really want to make a difference in my community of Halton. And the role came open and it was an opportunity of a lifetime. And I am just, it has been the most incredible and fulfilling eight years of my entire career. And uh, it was an easy one to get involved because I just love what they did and what we do.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, that, that's that's so nice. That's amazing. Um, you know, it's good to know that like the Halton Virgin Foundation has like a good, a leader that's taking care of the foundation and has a leader that actually has a mission and goal towards the cause that they're working towards. So that's that's really nice. Um. All right, so can you tell us about some of the significant milestones the Halton Learning Foundation has achieved throughout the course of your career?
0: Significant milestones. Well, we've had some amazing companies like American Iron and Metal and CN Rail and individuals throughout Halton who have made significant gifts of financial support to Halton Learning Foundation. And these gifts of support have transformed our ability to continue to say yes. And I will emphasize in the depths of this pandemic that we have been going through, this was a critical component. When prices of everything are going up like lettuce and hot dogs and cheese slices and bread, you don't wanna say no to people. And to be able to have organizations and individuals say, I get it, I really wanna help has been tremendous for us. We have a dynamic team at HLF that has the most amazing can-do attitude that I have ever seen. It took six years, seven years to build up this wonderful team with those who came before and those who are with me now. And when you're working with a team that believes what you believe, that all students deserve a chance, it really makes a difference in being able to make things happen and make them happen very fast and with a positive attitude. So that that's dynamite. We, um, last year, we won the Association of the Year through the Halton Hills Chamber of Commerce, which was excellent. That was in October. And then in previous years, in the last six years, we also were recognized as a nominee with the Milton Chamber of Commerce and also the Burlington Chamber of Commerce for two years as a runner-up in the non-for-profit category, so that was exciting. During the pandemic, we used to, well, before the pandemic started, like everyone, we worked in our offices, we had a lot of paper files. And when the pandemic hit, we quickly moved to be able to be fully remote, working from our homes, being able to get our technology going by moving everything up into the cloud. And that also included automating our scholarship applications, which makes it really easy for students because they used to send us in papers and now they don't have to do that anymore. They just go completely online, send in their applications, and it makes it easier for them and easier for us as well. Um, our, our logo that we launched a couple of years ago really brightened and sharpened our focus with, with HLF. And we are extraordinarily active on all the social media platforms, including Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. We have helped more students in the past two years than any other time. And Halton Learning Foundation's history, and I am incredibly proud of that. But you can't do that without people donating, so that's for sure. We uh, worked with a donor, um, an individual named Adam Doring. His brother passed away a few years ago, and he established a fund called the Mark Doring Thoughtful Fund in memory of his uh, of, of his brother. And he is committed to raising one million dollars for HLF in the next five years, and he's already raised two hundred thousand dollars. That is monumental. And that is, that is incredible. We have established a wonderful relationship with the Dare to Be You Foundation. And, um, and also, um, we created a virtual event last year called Students in the Spotlight. And we're debuting and we're having that again this year in late April. And it was a way to be able to help get students out of their, their rooms during the pandemic. In essence, and be able to get them still connecting with with, with others, and be able to show their their, um, their 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 music, their art, their spoken word, their dance, and they'd be able to show that even though they are still in safely in their houses, but they could show that with other people. So they're able to get out a little bit virtually and be more involved with with, with everybody. So that those are some of the milestones that we've um, we've um, we've achieved over the last uh, eight years. It's been pretty
1: marvelous yeah, yeah that's um, kind of oh yeah,
2: yeah. So, uh, oh yeah go ahead okay yeah so i was just gonna say adapting to um the pandemic is probably like a big milestone in itself um overcoming that and just adapting and going online is is a big factor that a lot of um like organizations had to like that was a big challenge because obviously it was something that we've been doing the, for the first time in our lives and i feel like especially with something related to education because Um, education is one thing that wouldn't stop. So like during the pandemic, we saw a lot of things slow down, but um, obviously education has to continue on. And so I'm guessing the students must be like needing resources and must be needing a lot of things even while the pandemic is still going. And so I feel like that's a big part of um, adapting and kind of, as you mentioned, uh, moving things online and kind of making it easier for people to um, still reach out because obviously people are still in need, but it's just now they're at home and they're quarantined and all of this so it was very hard to communicate and express themselves so
0: yeah and 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 i and i just want to add to that because you mentioned about the challenges and when you have children working when you have children you have young people in school at home sometimes the teachers are just faced with a black screen with white writing
1: mm-hmm.
0: or a white screen with black writing am not quite sure which one it was um and all you see is the person's name and you never see their faces so mm-hmm. how do you identify the fact that A young person is wearing the same clothes for five days in a row, how do you identify the fact that they aren't eating well? How do you identify the fact that they're having problems with their mental health when you can't see them, when you can't connect with them? And we always provide our support directly through the principals and the social workers and the secretaries and the CYCs. We do not deal with parents and children themselves. We always make sure that the schools refer them to us and that's the easiest way to be able to get the help out to them. But that's been a big challenge because during the pandemic the teachers weren't able to see the kids.
1: Yeah, so there were a lot of
0: undying, there were not a lot of, a lot of, um, a lot of needs out there that weren't being fulfilled. And as soon as the students got back into class, that's where the big explosion came, and suddenly the teachers realized there's a lot going on here that we need to fix, so yeah, yeah, I
2: agree, like school and um identifying uh, who's in need is actually a big part of school, and I feel like just going to school isn't only about learning right, it's also about this community that we're involved with, like um going there and just talking to friends and having a, a good time is a big part of it, and so I feel like, yeah, I definitely agree that being online means that you can't identify um like like who has what problem, so it's it's very hard to um to solve it, yeah. So um, just to follow up with that, how does the help that's provided to these students and their families translate to like a real world experience for these children and how does it visibly like impact their mental health?
0: I'd like to, uh, I'm glad you asked that question about their mental health because one of the relationships that we have built that's been very strong over the last eight years has, with the, has been with the RBC Foundation and they have fully funded all of the mental health school grants that HLF administers to schools. And that can be that can be projects, including recess friends or picnic break friends that help students with a structured opportunity to develop life and learning skills to help them cope with a lot of stressors that are happening. We have supported through the RBC Foundation lounge library areas, yoga classes, meditation, Zumba sessions, therapy dog visits. All of these can help ground people, ground young people and help them manage the strain on their mental health. So we have been very, very fortunate that RBC Foundation has recognized that these are very important areas to focus on. And it's only with their support that we've been able to say yes to a lot of these projects that schools have asked for and that we've been able to fund. That's very important.
2: Yeah, I remember seeing RBC Foundation at the DBU's communities. So I definitely yeah. have seen their impacts around, yeah. And They're so, um, yeah, yeah, sorry. Okay. Um, yeah, so Dare to Youth is built upon creating a community that's grounded in unity. We have it in our name, and it's also mentioned in our podcast. So, uh, uniting like students and basically bringing them all together is an important part of our mission. And so, how do you suggest that we can strive towards supporting the Halton Learning Foundation?
0: You know, I I, I take a look at the Dare to Be Foundation and all the young people that are that have been brought together, and the leadership that you've been sh- that you're showing is is tremendous. And certainly when it comes to when it comes to the Halton Learning Foundation or any organization out there that supports young people, you see the students who are by themselves. You see the students who are in the cafeteria or the capitorium who aren't talking to anyone, who have their lunches by themselves, who may be on the blacktop and no one else is with them and they hang out by themselves. They don't talk to anyone at school. They don't. They walk in the hallways and they're by themselves. They may look a little bit different than other people. And the one thing that I would like to share is that giving a smile to someone and connecting with them real time can make an incredible difference. I mean, instead of saying, how are you and walking away, actually listening to the answer is say, how are you? Or is there anything I can help with or just taking an interest in them? Because it it can be terribly isolating to be in a large group and you don't know anyone and you feel by yourself. And to have that smile can make the difference in a person's life immediately. You have no idea what that would do. Just a warm glance and connecting with them, making them them feel seen, Mm -hmm. truly makes a difference in someone's life. Mm -hmm. So that would be the way that I would think that all of the students involved with Dare to Be You can certainly make a difference in your community. There's a lot more emphasis and a lot more respect peer-to-peer. So instead of a teacher saying something, it's you saying something to someone. And in the case of being able to um, connect them with, with, with any kind of supports available, maybe they might be embarrassed to say, you know, I'd love to have gone on that field trip, but my dad is not going to be able to find $25 to go. And you can say, you know what, there's an organization who actually will pay for that. Not sure if you knew this, but there is an organization who will pay for that. And that would be so neat because they won't be left in school. They won't be put into a different classroom while everybody goes on the school trip and they're the only ones left over because that can be very, um, very embarrassing. And you feel even more alone when everyone gets back from the school trip and they're talking all about how much fun they had, and things that they learned. And this one person's been left out and they can't join in the conversation. So being able to let them know that there's help out there and that I know it can be sometimes scary to ask, but it certainly can make a difference in someone's life.
1: Yeah, for sure, and I I completely agree. Um, Dare to be Youth obviously has a very large outreach with like, the youth, obviously, and um, the community youth council can definitely help out with that. Um, it's definitely a noble cause and obviously it's working towards like, good and unity and all that, so yeah, for sure. Um, Dare to Be used, would love to support you in that uh, aspect. Um, and for the last question of the day, um, what advice do you have for young for young people looking to get involved in this kind of work?
0: I have found that one of the positives in working for a charity or a nonprofit or a foundation is an overwhelming sense of driving change and driving change where you live or driving change in the world in which you live. Whether it's um, whether it's across the whether it's across the seas or right based in your postal code, it's driving change, and it can be some of the most stimulating and rewarding work you will ever do in your lives. It really is. I mean, you have this incredible sense of fulfillment when you put your head down to go to sleep. You're focusing on enforcing a message of doing good by helping others. The work can be varied. You can be helping out at a homeless shelter one day, fundraising the next day. You can be going on a walk. You can be helping with filing administrative work in a charity, but it all goes towards fulfilling the purpose, whatever the purpose is of the charity. And to me, when it comes to the work of a a foundation, the work is value driven and it prioritizes ethics over profits. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really cool. You're always supporting a good cause. You're helping the lives of others. And quite frankly, it can be one of the most rewarding and coolest careers of your life. And after 34 plus years um, working, um, it has been the most amazing career of mine. And I would love to see more people involved with charitable work. It makes a difference to individuals. And I think that that's what we all should be striving towards.
2: I definitely agree. Passion uh, is a big part of something like this because um, like having like that interest and really wanting to do something like this, being motivated is important. So like over even over the pandemic, I found myself looking at a lot of different organizations and joining a lot of different meetings and just trying to find what I really was passionate for. And so something like this uh, is is really meaningful, especially because I can see some of the impacts of that, as you mentioned, in our schools, like with me, like going to school, obviously every day, you can sometimes see that uh, maybe not everyone feels like they uh, fit in and and obviously they should everyone should feel that uh, they they belong and so I feel like that's a big part of like our lives and I feel like something like this pursuing um something in this type of these types of foundations is very rewarding and um it it feels very nice to really see it after all so like maybe some of the parents may not be able to see it directly but a lot of the um, kids at school I definitely know would um, appreciate help and uh, they would really um like see the impacts of um people the kids getting the help they need in class with their peers and with their teachers and everyone so yeah i really found that amazing and um so all right that seems to be it for this week's episode of our dare to be youth community podcast on behalf of the cyc and dare to be youth arham and myself would like to thank you and the halton learning foundation for this amazing learning opportunity um before today's session i obviously did not realize the impact that this foundation had and after like today's session and asking all these questions, I really enjoyed learning about the impacts that this amazing cause has had on had on so many lives and so many students. So um, for all the audience, you can head on over to the Halton Learning Foundation website and learn more and find out about how you, you can contribute to this movement. And once again, thank you to everyone who has made this episode possible. And make sure to be on the lookout for our following episode next month.
0: Wonderful. Thank you very much, Ian. Thank you, Aram. And thank you very much for this opportunity on behalf of the Halton Learning Foundation to share a message. And um, it's been wonderful. Thank you so much.